Hi guys, welcome to the ABCs of Matrescence. Welcome back for, I guess, our second episode. The first one was meant to be a teaser, but if you listen to it, it turned into a 40-minute episode, so we're going to call this episode two. So, if you didn't listen to that one, we are Mackenzie and Emma. We are mama of two little one-year-old boys, and we actually met in an online chat forum um, while we were trying to conceive, and we really got to know each other and shared a lot about our experiences over the past year, and we just decided that it was so valuable to connect with other mamas in our community and we wanted to share that with others so we started this podcast to share our real motherhood adventures so all the ups and downs that have come along with it and we are really excited that you are along for the ride yeah welcome guys hi yep it's a lot of fun for us just to have a chance to communicate with each other and then obviously open up the conversation just a little bit more. So I live up in Rhode Island and Emma lives I am in Georgia, so we are not not super close. No, not super close, but thanks to the wonders of the internet, it's like you're in my backyard every day. Oh, well, we <laughs> talk like we're with each other every day. So that's true. All the ins and outs, hey. Oh, yeah. That's the way it's been. But yeah, so we uh, we picked the name, uh, the ABCs of Matrescence. We touched on this a little bit in our last episode, but we picked the name because it's kind of motherhood from A to Z. And matrescence is the process of becoming a mother. So as we've been exploring that path together and exploring it in our own unique ways as well, we decided that this would be a title that would basically encompass everything that we would want to share with others, and including as we continue to grow ourselves. So our website is up and running. It's still a work in progress. We're adding various topics to it. We're adding various products and tips and information, articles, etc., so that's definitely something you can check back in with on pretty much a weekly basis. Is, is and, how frequently. And please we're be patient and know updating. that this is this is a side project. This is a um, for fun. We are not experts in anything, including building pod or building a website. So and building you know. podcasts, if we're honest, and building podcasts <laughs> and and doing any of these things that we're doing. So yeah, this is it's a, a work in project. <laughs> oh yep. yeah. But it makes it a lot of fun for us, too, because we're able to just jump in and and give something new a try and hopefully in in many ways that we can basically continue to to reach out to other other moms. A lot that we know is we are able to invite our friends to listen to us, but also to reach out to people we don't know and and connect with them, too. So that's definitely And I think a lot of mamas can understand that, you know, the first year, especially of motherhood, you have a little bit of a who am I now? A lot of the things we used to do and spend our time on we can't do or aren't the same and those hobbies and things change. And so this I think this whole project came about a little bit because we just needed something for ourselves. We hadn't really put aside that time in any major capacity. And so I think, you know, this started as a little bit of a joke of we had so many conversations and we were like, oh, we should start a podcast. And then it was like, well, well, maybe we she should. Maybe this would really give us something that we take the time and do for ourselves and connect with other moms that we need to. And so, um, yeah, I think that's a big part of why we decided to start it. Yeah, that's really well said. I think that both of us individually left behind, um, I should say not per se left behind, maybe stepped away from in a full-time manner careers. Um, you know, I know, obviously, I mean, you're still doing, uh, like a significant amount of part-time work though, and you're it's still very in different your career, though, but it's, it's very different, different yeah. and I'm sure we'll get into the career stuff at some point, but I was quick recap. I was a full-time, um, personal trainer and nutritionist and I still do work, but I mean, it's, it's very different. It used to be all day, every day that that job would start at, you know, often five AM and wrap up at 7 PM and weekends and all sorts of stuff. And now it's, you know. 10 hours a week in person so it's it looks very different and I know Mm -hmm. it's kind of the same for you and that you know it was a big shift for you and so having this little side little side project really gives us something nice to put our brain towards too which is helpful exactly yeah it's it's definitely it's it's different than than what we were doing before but then again everything is different you know I I feel like I will never again look at a pregnant woman the same way as I did having gone through it because you look at that woman especially if she's pregnant with her first and you think to yourself wow like this is an exciting time. It's a beautiful time, but your life is about to do the most intense 180 ever. You know, it's like, oh my gosh, especially totally. like the the way you know they talk, oh this and that, and you know all the plans you have for after the baby, and 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 maybe for a lot of people it, it perhaps is a bit more of a straight line, in which case that that could be a very positive thing. But I think for for at least the majority of the women I've spoken to, even if they have done things they thought they would do, say go back to work, for example, or stay home, whatever their intention was. All the other bits and pieces of it are so dramatically, I guess, 
overwhelming in some ways and, and amazing in others and, and exhausting in some. And it's just the entire picture is just so intense. And oh, absolutely. I think that that's something I and realize I think, now. And that could be a whole, I mean, it probably will be a whole topic in itself of, you know, what you thought before baby your life would look like and what it would look like after. But I know I definitely thought that the baby would fit into our lives and that mm. our lives would in some ways resume the way they were with a baby in it. And that is absolutely not the way life has happened. Our lives are completely shifted and not just temporary. It's, it's kind of forever. I don't think he's going anywhere. At least God, I hope not. So, you know, maybe when he's 18, then he can take on out of here. But until then, you know, our lives are permanently changed and there is no, you know, he just slides right on into what we were doing before. So that shift has been been massive and you can't really explain that to anybody until it happens to them so exactly yeah it always it always does interest me you know people that that uh you know just seem pretty effortless in motherhood and you know when you kind of actually get to talking with them and they're they're sharing their experience I would say that it seems like the majority of the time it's not as effortless as it seems and um I feel like it's been and that's also really nice to, to see mm-hmm, because true. often you see like I see moms that you know a post on Instagram, like they're perfectly dressed every day and their hair's done and they're, you know, taking both the kids out and their little carrier and their stroller and they just look like they have it all together and it's effortless. And that certainly has not been me. I'm just, that has not been my motherhood experience. Every day is a little bit of a cluster and I'm definitely always struggling to figure it out. And it is really nice to hear those moms that I see a snapshot of and think, oh my gosh, how do they just always have it together? It's just effortless. But it's it's usually not the case. That's usually one moment in their lives. And, and just as you'll hear us talk about, there's these moments that we're like, oh my gosh, these highs that we're like, yeah, we can do this. We are rocking this motherhood thing. Totally got it. And then the next moment, you know, you're cleaning like poop off a wall or like, you know, you're crying as the baby's crying as the dog's yep. doing, you know, and life just feels like a total mess. So all the ups and downs. Yeah, so, so true. Yep. Exactly. Um, so we wanted to just share a little bit today, um, kind of a little recap of, of our stories um, about, you know, our desire for having children. We touched on that just a little bit um, last week, but, you know, a little bit more about like our uh, our experience for conception and then pregnancy, etc. So we're going to just go into that just a little bit here with you all. You yeah. Take it away, Emma. Sure. So I'll start out. So I'm... Um... We'll keep these kind of the highlight reel because I know we're going to get into a lot of, um, you know, we met in a group that was about trying to conceive and there was a lot to that. And I know we're going to even have some guests on and all that kind of jazz. So we'll get into that. But so to start for me, I was never definitely that girl that daydreamed about having a kid. I did not. That wasn't a focus of mine. It was never a, you know, I'm just meant to be a mom. And, you know, to be honest, I always questioned if that would be my route. And when I met my husband and got married, we, that was, that was not the plan. We had discussed that we didn't want to have kids. Um, and we were both happy and content with that. And we were for a couple of years and we very much enjoyed ourselves. And then somewhere around the time I hit 30 and I just, something shifted in me. Um, a lot of it was, you know, maybe seeing friends have kids and all that. But I think a lot of it was also, you start to be able to picture your life 10 and 20 years from now. And it was a little bit like, well, I do kind of picture a family. I do kind of picture having kids around and and just, you know, what's going to happen once we get older and all those things that played a factor. Also, I won't lie, seeing my husband, I think we had a friend that had a kid and seeing him hold a baby. Yeah, it got me a little bit. And I was like, <laughs> all those, all those, all those hormones and emotions. It was, it is, it is biological. Like it is or physiological. And it's so funny because it was like, I could hear my like ovaries do a flutter or something the second I saw him like (laughs) touch a baby and I was kind of like and he was just so good and it just knowing that he would make such a good dad you know that definitely made an impact so that was also a very fun conversation to start up of you know we're on the same page of no kids and this is a fun story we were actually out on a nice date night we had gotten dressed up we'd gone to a fancy restaurant which was a big hobby of ours back in the day and we went to a little bar afterwards and I might have been one too many glasses of wine in and just out of nowhere I'm like so I think I want to have a baby and man I think my husband became sober very 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 quickly um so that was fun um but he was he was actually pretty on board he kind of laughed and goes I knew the second you turned 30 you were going to change your mind and we were both kind of like okay let's do things 
but it was not that simple for us. Um, I had not had a period in probably around 10 years um, for a host of reasons that we'll kind of get into. But I had something called hypothalamic amenorrhea, which is the loss of having a period. And so we knew that getting pregnant would not be a simple journey. It wasn't just like, okay, well, great. We'll just start trying. Or like a lot of people I talk to that are just like, well, we'll just not, not try, which is always a funny concept to me. But, um, so yeah, so we went through going to see doctor after doctor and trying to figure out if we could figure out a way to get my period back. We tried several medications to try to induce. None of that really worked. And so a big reason for me not having a period had to do with, um, I went through an eating disorder when I was in my early twenties that definitely made an impact. Um, I also, even though I would say I recovered from that and had gained weight and was at a, I was at a healthy, normal weight, healthy BMI, and I was still definitely over-exercising and probably not eating enough. And so for all those reasons, trying to conceive was not an easy thing for us. And so we went through all that process. Um, we ended up having to, thankfully we didn't have to do IVF, but we did something called injectables which we did four rounds. We actually did have a miscarriage during that. So we tried to conceive for about a year and a half and I did get pregnant and we had a miscarriage, which we'll probably talk about as another topic because that was um, a really, really hard part of our journey uh, to try that long and then get so excited and think this is it and then, you know, lose that baby was a really, really difficult time for us. But um, we, we did get pregnant again and there was baby Owen little baby Owen. And so my pregnancy thankfully was pretty easy. Um, all things considered, it was, it was good. I felt pretty good. I had all the normal morning sickness and stuff. It wasn't extreme, but I'd say it started around seven weeks and I didn't feel right up until 14 weeks. Um, a vegetable did not come near my mouth, which is funny because I was definitely a veggie eater. Didn't you say you had the same McKenzie? Oh, the exact same. Yeah. Yeah. That was yeah. first. It was, and it was right. Like that was about the number of weeks too. Like around 12 yeah. weeks, I could finally tolerate a salad. Yeah. Oh, see. But that, that's I'd, tolerate. I mean, I'm yeah. telling you. It wasn't until and I about could 14, do it. 15 when I could do it again. Oh, yeah. And, and it was better if I picked up a salad, but I could not make anything at home. Like if I ate out somewhere, I could probably eat a vegetable. But I remember like one of my extreme morning sickness things was... My husband was boiling water with pasta, like, and the smell of pasta water made me lose my mind. And I was like, you can never make pasta again. He was like, you can smell pasta water. And so, like, the sense of smell was that extreme. It was so gross. Oh, I literally so, had to tell my husband, like, do not wear your cologne. And we had to change our toothpaste oh, yeah. flavor. We changed deodorant, uh, his deodorant, because I could not tolerate the smell of his deodorant. So finally, we went to a CVS, and he just, like, let me open deodorants, and <laughs> I got to tell him which one I liked enough. But then it changed, like, the next week. So it was, God, it so was like, so just funny. just don't wear any, honey. It's fine. I, I did. I actually think I said that, and because he, he used to put it on before bed, and I had to be like... <gasps> Uh, uh you cannot put it on right before we get to bed it was so strong so yeah there he would take a shower not put any on and wait and put it on until the morning so it was funny little things like that but i mean all of that is is thankfully fairly normal so my pregnancy and all was um yeah i i enjoyed being pregnant having gone through so many body image issues and um eating related issues i, I did worry a lot that being pregnant would be mentally hard on me and it wasn't I mean, I won't say it wasn't at all. Obviously, you see your body change and it is has its moments of, oh my gosh, these pants don't fit, but you're pregnant. And I think I was truly so appreciative that I was pregnant and the baby was healthy and everything was going okay that I, it, it made a lasting impact on me. In fact, um, you know, postpartum, I just learned to accept my body and be really proud of it. So it, it was a really good thing for me going through the pregnancy process. Um, so we made it until 38 weeks and five days. I was completely prepared to go to 41 weeks or something because I don't know about you, but everybody pretty much told me he would be late. Um, yeah. That yep. was what I everybody said. Too. First babies will be late. It'll be a super long labor, all of those things. So I was very much prepared for that. 
and I was planning to work the entire time and it <laughs> my job got to be a little ridiculous because as I said I was a personal trainer and here I am trying to like demonstrate exercises jump on and off off the on the ground and I was huge you know and it my clients by the end we're just like, Emma, could you please just sit on a bench and tell us what to do? Like, stop picking up weights. <laughs> stop doing anything. Just just sit there. It's fine. And so I felt I felt a little ridiculous after a while. But what was kind of disappointing is I was going to stop working at 39 weeks. I had taken that last week off work. Mm, I was so enjoy. excited. I scheduled a massage. I scheduled a manicure and a pedicure. I was going to keep my feet up and just clean the house and do some meal stuff and just, you know, wait for this baby to come. And it was at my last night of work. I trained a good friend and it was seven o'clock at night. I came home and I had been having a lot of Braxton Hicks the entire third trimester. I had a lot of them. And I wonder if I had been having contractions that day. And I was just, I mean, I literally just didn't sit down. I was training people all day and I just didn't have enough time to notice it. So... And everybody told me that the water doesn't break like it does, you know, you watch Friends episode and like, you know, they're walking around and the water breaks on somebody's shoes. And so everyone was like, no, 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 it doesn't ever actually happen that way. Well, I got into bed about 930 at night and I was like, okay, do do do, turning off the lights. And I felt this pop and I kind of went, oh, well, that felt peculiar, but no, no way. But I have been listening to a lot of The Birth Hour, which if you are pregnant, that's an awesome um, yep. podcast. I listened to Did you listen to it? Yes. So good. Oh, my gosh. I listened to so many so episodes. So helpful. I know. I, was... I just would be like in my car, like driving, like hands clenching the steering wheel. Like, oh, oh yeah. It really was very helpful, though. It just kind of gave so me helpful. an expectation of like how different labors Yes, could and they Yes. And I love how there's such a variety of guests. So it's yeah. not just the same birth stories over and over. It's like. I mean, it's everything from beefbacks to emergency cesareans to just a very classic home birth. Like, it's every single experience, which was And it so was cool. just fun hearing the terminology because I just kind of, I knew what all these things were. Like, the bloody show, ew. But, I mean, we could also get some better names for things. I'll just, I'll just say that. But, True, but you at least know, you know I, what's going on. Exactly. And I, felt, I did. I felt very informed. I felt very informed of, like, if this happens, then this. And so I just remember I had listened to an episode where she, a girl described it as she was laying down and she just felt this pop. And so I eh, kind of, like, decided, okay, let me just get up and go to the bathroom for the 37th time that hour anyway. And so I didn't say anything to my husband. I was just like, I'm going to the bathroom. He's like, what's new? Um, and I walk right into the bathroom and I mean, my water just all over the floor. It was a hot mess and it wasn't like a little bit. It wasn't a trickle. It was it, it, everything just, yeah. And I, I remember reading, it's only like one in 10 women that that actually happens yeah, to. Yeah. And I especially That's didn't wild. expect it to happen early. Cause as I said, we were 38 weeks and five yeah, days or something yeah. at that point. So I, d I did not, I was not prepared. I mean, I didn't even have all my hospital bag stuff packed. I was, I was absolutely not prepared. And I I just stood in the bathroom for a couple minutes by myself because I was just in shock. And finally I was like, um, hey, honey, could you come to the bathroom? And it was funny because he kind of grumbled like, you need me to get up? And I'm like, mm, yeah, you're probably going to have to get out of bed this evening. <laughs> and he came in there and, of course, he looked at the floor and he was like, what? What? What happened? He thought I got sick or something. And I was like, no. So this is happening apparently. And I think we were just shocked because it was like we knew once water broke – there was no going back. There yeah, because no they false make a big labor. deal about that. Yeah, like it's like yeah. 24 hours or so. Yeah. It seems. Yeah. And I thought I thought we'd have hours or like days of like, oh, I think I'm in labor. No, I'm not in labor. I think I'm in labor. And nope, there was none of that. And it progressed really fast for, for better or for worse. And I had very much prepared for a natural labor. I was did not want medications. Um, just, just wanted the experience. I just... Yeah. Anyway, it was my goal. We worked with the doula. We went to lots of classes and all that. So we had all these tools that we thought we were going to use. I mean, and this is one of those hilarious, like, you know, expectation versus reality, which I'm sure we'll talk about a lot on this podcast. Um, but we had, we had, uh, what hell did he have? Tennis balls wrapped in socks that oh, he could roll up and down too. my oh, back. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We had the ball. We had, I mean, just all sorts of stuff that was going to like, Help us breathe through the labor. coconut water. At one the point coconut, during my labor, oh, my husband yeah. was drinking the coconut water. I was like, "You yeah. put that down." Yeah, yeah. He, I mean, like all we had, me. all the stuff, and and it was nothing. It was nothing like that. 
And so I, the hilarious thing was I had a bunch of online nutrition clients at the time, and this was a Thursday night, and I sent them all their weekly plans on a Friday. And my the only thing my brain could think of was, oh, I have to get these out to my clients. So my water breaks, I jump in a quick shower because I was like, yeah, that's pretty gross. Um, but I think I still have all the time in the world. Like this isn't going to happen fast. So I go sit at the computer. I'm half drying my hair, half typing emails. And my husband comes in and he's like, okay, I'm going to chime contractions. And they started coming like every couple of minutes. And then very, very quickly, I was like, okay, I can't type anymore. Okay, I can't sit anymore. And he decides, let's go sit in bed and watch something funny. It will take your mind off of it. So he turns on Modern Family, I think it was. And I made it <laughs> That's about. a good choice. It was. It was great. And it's one of our favorite shows. And we were like, we'll relax. This is still going to be a while. And I just, I couldn't do it. I couldn't sit still. And so I think we hung around from like 930 to 11. You know, I was okay having some moderate contractions. And then suddenly it was just, it was game on. And I just stood in the hallway. I was holding on the walls. I was, he, poor guy, uh, poor guy. He was like trying to do all the things we were supposed to do. Like, well, let's get in this position and let's breathe. And do you want to do visualizations? And you're like, I and, don't want to breathe. I don't oh want to visualize anything. That's exactly what I was. I mean, all of the things that we had practiced, I was just like, and I'm a very... I played a lot of sports growing up and stuff like that. And so when I am focused, I just, I'm in my own head. I frankly want to be left alone. I didn't want him to touch me in the slightest. I was the same and way, girl. Same yeah. Way. Like, yep. don't touch me. Don't mm-hmm. massage my back. Don't, mm-mm. Yep. no, just, yep. just, just step away from me. So he finally was like, we, we really should probably go to the hospital. And I was at that point, I was so far into labor that I was like, nope, I'm not going anywhere. He was like, wait, 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 wait. We're not having this baby at home. Um, and thankfully our (laughs) hospital is literally 30 seconds up the road. I mean, it was right around the corner. So that's why we were kind of slow. And I knew having a a non-unmedicated birth, I don't really like to call it a natural birth. That's not really the best terminology. So an unmedicated. I actually agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, there's no natural because you're not having medication versus it, it's an yeah. unmedicated. A baby is birth. a natural thing, and the way it comes yeah. out is is a combination it, of personal choice and medical necessity. It has nothing to do with nature. Sure. That is not nature. Yeah. So an unmedicated birth, and we knew that we wanted to labor at home as long as we could. But at that point, yeah, we needed to get to the hospital. So we we got in the car, and I yelled at him the entire way, and would not sit in the car because I was having really bad back labor. That was actually my. My thing. Did you have back labor at all? I did not. And I have heard that back labor, at least from my understanding, it can be a game changer in whether or not someone needs an epidural. It was. It was very painful. And just sitting on my back in the car, I remember when we got to the hospital, they just wanted to put monitors on. And I could not lay on my back on that table. It was very Mm. painful. But, you know, to to not turn this into a whole birth hour, um, we got there. I was... A little over six centimeters dilated when they checked me downstairs in like the emergency triage area or whatever. Um, by the time we got upstairs to the room, I was a little over seven. Wow. And so, fast. and that was around midnight, twelve thirty or something like that when I actually got up in the room. And I mean, it was it was painful. The back labor was really painful. It was really great. I I went to a hospital. They did not make me put any IVs in, and they did intermittent monitoring. Same. Um, so I, I had to actually request that, but yeah, yeah I did too. Did yeah, it was a preference, but they didn't give me any, you know, hardship on it. It was, it was something I talked to my OBGYN about beforehand and he was totally supportive as long as mom and baby were healthy and everything was going fine, which obviously was what mattered the most. Um, so, but I couldn't do any of the things I wanted to, like, I thought I'd want to be able to get up and walk around or change positions, but, and it's so funny cause I'm so I'm kind of a prude. I don't really like changing in front of people, but all of that goes so far out the window. And I was really nervous about that going into labor of like being naked in front of people and like making weird noises in front of people. But yeah, that, that disappears quickly. So I labored on the table on all fours, which was just hilarious in my mind because it just made me feel like like an animal or a cow or something weird like that was all I kept thinking. But I just couldn't tolerate being on my back and my plan was to not have an epidural and I actually made it all the way to just over, they said I was close to 10 centimeters, but the problem was he was not, because it happened so fast, he was not dropping down low Uh. enough. So he was, I was almost 10 centimeters, but I was, it was a little, he was a little high and they were like, either you're going to have to push forever or we really need to try to wait and let him drop a little bit. And I was I had been yelling, I wanted an epidural for a good hour and a half or something at that point. And my, everybody kept being like, no, you said you don't. And that's exactly what I wanted. I wanted support. I wanted all of that. Um, 
But yeah, no. At that point, I decided I wanted epidural. So they came in. She gave it to me. She said, this probably isn't going to take. But if it'll make you stop screaming at me, I will give you an epidural. And so they did. And it did give me enough. It, it relieved the back labor. And it gave me enough time that we actually laid there for about 30 minutes as he dropped. And just everybody left the room. We laid there quietly. I was able to relax a little bit. But it really didn't numb anything from the waist down, I didn't feel like. Um, I mean, I walked right after, you know, I was moving my legs, all those things. Who knows? But anyway, um, the nurse asked, I kept saying, I need to push, all those things. Well, that's not what I said. You know what I said. You usually say you have to use the bathroom. Um, and yep, I did say yep, that. So yep. I was like, I really have to get up and go to the bathroom. She's like, wait, 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 wait. Yep, they um, tell you not to do it. It's so yep, weird. Don't do that. So she checked me. I, it was it was time. Um, she said, let's do a practice push or two. My doctor was not there, which kind of stunk. Um, that was a little disappointing because, you know, you work with an OBGYN and hope they'll be the one that delivers and they did not and um anyway the doctor that was on call was not super swell he was kind of a jerk and long story short the nurse basically ended up delivering him he said wait as soon as he came in to put on his gloves and Owen popped out so wow. that was a fun birth story he was burned about 3 30 and so yeah it was really quick i mean i was only in the hospital for three hours before baby boy popped out super um, quick super quick and so but I'm mostly happy with that. I was really disappointed I had an epidural. That was a ego thing that I have no judgment on people getting epidurals. And, you know, I might have a different decision the next time around, if there is a next time around. Um, but anyway, it was it was what it was. Um, my recovery was ultimately pretty good. I don't have any major complaints. We might get more into detail, but I've rambled on about a birth story long enough. Um, and just to touch on the first few months, it was very tough. That was actually, I would say, our struggle point. Um, Owen was very colicky. He, he he cried a lot, pretty much the majority of the time. The first two weeks were very chill, and then it was like he woke up and, mm. and never went back to sleep. Um, he would not sleep anywhere but on us. We tried all the things. We tried every swaddle known to man. We tried white noise. We tried every course I bought at 2 a.m. that would tell me how to get my baby to sleep. And none of that really worked. And so, you know, I think we'll get into more into detail of this. But the first few months were really hard. It was not the idyllic, you know, you bring the sweet baby home from the hospital. And yes, you're sleep deprived. But there's still all these cuddly moments. It, it wasn't really like that. And it was a really, really difficult transition into motherhood. Um, yeah. I hate to leave it on a, like a sad, sappy note. But... It was a hard transition, but hey, we made it out, and now we have an adorable little one-year-old. So that was kind of just a little bit of my, from trying to conceive all the way up to the first few months recap. So, all right, your turn. Go. Well, one thing I just <laughs> want to say, though, about your end is, like, it, the, the end part you shared is I do think it's, like, it's very refreshing to hear that because so often, you know, you hear about the first couple of weeks or months, and, um, you know, people really do describe it with such rose colored glasses and there's nothing wrong with that, but it's, it's truly, I mean, it's very rare that somebody has a baby that's sleeping longer than two or three hours at a time for those first couple months. And I think that it's, it's just, it's nice to hear that. It's nice to be reminded that that is, that, that is okay. That is normal. We, we'll talk a lot, you know, about baby sleep, you know, just with each episode and it's something we talk to each other about on almost a daily basis. And I think that that's, that's just it, it, at least for me, it's been such a profound challenge that whenever I hear somebody just make an offhanded comment about, oh, yeah, my baby just slept through the night or, oh, it was no big deal and sleep, I'm just, I always find myself, like, totally giving pause because I'm like, wait, really? Like, you got super lucky because I, I feel like, from what I gather, the majority of people are like, hey, this was not a walk in the park. Yeah, and that's kind of why I hate to, like, scare new moms because – you know, I've talked to some that love the newborn stage, and that's awesome. Like, I'm glad that was, you know, such a prime time for them. But, gosh, I was so caught off guard by how hard it was. And not even in just the, like, my baby didn't sleep. He just was rarely, he was rarely happy. He was rarely content. Um, he wasn't that baby. Like, friends want to come over and, like, let me hold your baby. No, he was not that baby. He would just cry the entire time. And so mm. we couldn't, we were kind of socially isolated because of that and and we found some stuff that might have been an issue like some food allergy stuff and whatever but it was definitely a hard time and I I hate to like scare other moms to be like oh my gosh it was terrible but it was just our experience and nobody ever told me that 
that was kind of like an option that was that was a possibility i guess um most would say yeah i mean it's hard but just those snuggles are so sweet and blah 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 and you know it wasn't it wasn't exactly our, our road but that's okay we came out the other end thank goodness but just so you know it can go a lot of different ways that transition into motherhood can look a lot of different ways yeah very true very very true um let's see so very similar to you Emma in that I didn't really know for sure I wanted to have a child and then met my husband and then it was just kind of you know obvious an inner dating process that it was very important for him to have a family and to have at least a child if not more and so then when we got married I knew that that would be something that was super important to him and therefore it had become important to me during the time of our dating and our engagement and so we were open to me getting pregnant right from the beginning but I knew because I hadn't had a natural period myself in it's hard to say because I'd been on birth control for so many years but I think it's definitely safe to say there had not been or my body would not have been capable of producing a natural period for about maybe five six years prior to attempting to conceive so kind of very similar and so when we first got married and I wasn't on any birth control at all and there was absolutely no period and saw a few different doctors and recommendations and and things and this is all has to do with our I think it's both of our like favorite book is the one that was a huge game changer for us no period now what and realizing I had hypothalamic amenorrhea and had to get my period back and also very much like you I did not have a BMI that was extremely low in in any case at all it was actually very very normal and yet my body needed a little extra weight and it needed less exercise and more nutritional food in order to have a period so I think that's so fascinating and something that's just important to highlight is that like neither of us were severely underweight by any stretch and we still were you know still like over exercising and or under eating can you know impact your cycle and that's just important to to notice exactly and it was like just making some pretty significant changes uh that were very I mean, they felt huge to me, but then perhaps to somebody on the outside, they'd be like, it's not that big of a deal. You just slow down your exercise and you ate consciously ate more calories every day. And I'm like, yes, but that's, that is a challenge when you're used to this lifestyle that's been a certain way for so many years and you're used to a certain body size, et cetera. And so that was definitely a, a mental challenge and, and in many ways, a physical challenge as well. But I was successful in, in following the program that's outlined actually in this book where you, you just work to get your period back. And I was able to get mine back which was very positive, and I did have three natural periods, but the space between them was, was pretty large, so timing would have been really challenging. So I went back to my rep, uh, reproductive endocrinologist, and he recommended I try again an ovulation medication, which I tried multiple times in the past with zero response. This time I did respond, but I was out of town, so my husband and I weren't able to try. And then the next month they just um, accompanied that with a trigger shot of HCG, and that was how I was able to fall pregnant. So... Um, it was not the full injectable route, but it definitely was still using a little bit of um, medication in terms of the, the assistance to get there. So, And then I was pregnant. And the first 20 weeks, maybe 14 to 20 weeks, I was, I was fairly miserable. I mean, I felt horrible. I remember it being super humid and hot here. I was beyond nauseous. And I just thought, this is no fun. I wish now I could go back to that time and be like, but Mackenzie, you were just nauseous and you had a lot of free time. You should have enjoyed See, it. See, what's so funny is I feel like I've almost romanticized being pregnant and like, because I think once I got around the second trimester later, like it was so much better. Yep, it was so and much I better. And I do forget about how miserable those early days were. It, it's, yeah. I mean, I remember 4th of July, like eating a hamburger with my husband in a restaurant and all I wanted was a hamburger and the hamburger comes and I literally had three bites of it. And so I was simultaneously <laughs> nauseous and yet starving. And that was like the experience for the first 14 weeks was hungry, <laughs> but then sick. And then the best way I described it was like a hangover. Like, yes, I felt like I was hungover ends. all day and I didn't necessarily get sick physically, but I just felt hungover all day long. Not yep. just morning, all day, especially yep. in the evening, actually. Oh my gosh, no, I was the same way. It was horrible. And then I just, you know, everybody, of course, has a very different experience in their first trimester. And something I'll share about mine is that some women go through the first trimester and many often lose weight because they can't eat um, or their weight stays exactly the same. I, for whatever reason, in that first trimester, I didn't have a scale at home. I don't have a scale at home. So I'm not sure the exact amount I told my OB I didn't ever want to know. I actually only found out the amount of weight I gained 
when I was six weeks post postpartum. So I definitely wasn't. So you wasn't didn't eager. weigh the, in, or you didn't see I your did, weight at the. Nope. Yeah. I did blind weigh-ins for so the smart. entire pregnancy. Yeah. Which I actually think was a good idea because otherwise you get hung up week to week. It's like, that's so silly. What time of day is your appointment? Have you used the restroom? Sorry to be graphic, but let's be honest. Well, and um, it jumps all over too. Cause like for me, over. I'd have weeks that I didn't really gain very much weight and then I'd suddenly show up and I'd gain like six pounds and you know, a week or something. So it's just, it fluctuates a ton. It, totally fluctuates yeah so I just did blind weigh-ins and the nurses kind of got used to the fact that Mackenzie just turns around and doesn't want to know um but you know it, it was it, but the point though was that first trimester I I know just because the way my clothes fit and stuff I had to have gained between 10 to 15 pounds and that's a lot in one trimester and I remember just feeling very uncomfortable in my own skin but I worked very hard on just intuitive eating and trusting myself which was basically carbs but I was very determined that those carbs were going to be as nutritional as they could possibly be. So let's just say I spent way too much money at Whole Foods and I bought, you know, I was like, okay, if I'm going to crave carbs, like I'm going to crave organic carbs. <laughs> Did you have any weird food cravings? Um, just meat and like carbs. And then it changed to like meat, veggies, like savory foods. That's so funny too, because I hear a lot of women say that they cannot even like smell or tolerate meat during pregnancy, but I actually was it's really like good beef, with meat too. Bring me the beef. And I crave tuna. So I would like, cause the mercury, I would have tuna like once every month. And it was like a big, like, I felt like the heavens opened up. Oh my gosh. I craved sushi actually. And I did actually eat sushi, but we'll, we'll, we'll Which, cover those topics another time. <laughs> expecting better. Yep, exactly. Best <laughs> book. If you're pregnant, read that. Yep, it's great. Um, yeah, so then the rest of the pregnancy was fine. And I just, I was working, teaching full time, and I was really thoroughly enjoying that. I'd finally found out here in Rhode Island, um, it was truly my dream job and loved every second of it. And it was fun because I teach French and my students were really excited to see the, my belly changing and growing and hearing about the baby. And that made it really fun. And it was great to be in an environment um, you know, with other people all the time too, which is nice as opposed to just having been at home. So I, I really enjoyed that. And I was exercising my whole pregnancy and also teaching pure bar fitness classes. I taught through my 34th week, but then I continued to take class. So I took class the day before my due date. So Emerson was not in a hurry. So I did, I did get, and I'm sorry to say, Emma, I stopped work at the end of my 38th week and I had the oh. entire, it, okay. It was pretty glorious, except for the fact that I was I mean, imagine though how you felt at 38 and 5 and imagine your body just continues. Actually, I didn't per se get bigger. My doctor was even like, you lost a pound. I remember her saying that. You don't. Like, well, you it wasn't literally like run bigger, out of room you, for food. I oh, mean. Yeah. I know. People yeah. say that and I'm like, no way. I never miss yeah. a meal. But like literally yeah. by the end, it was yeah. like I had to, I was eating like maybe seven meals a day, but they were all small. I would eat like five bites and I'm like, okay, I'm full. And then an hour later, you're like, I'm starving. Yeah. And then I'm hungry again, but for sure. Yeah. But yeah, so basically like I did enjoy that 30, I mean, enjoy quote unquote, you know, if you, as much as you can enjoy being, you know, very large, but I just like waddling around, you know, with your belly, but I felt, I felt pretty decent. And then they did a mem, I, I knew on my due date that they were my hospital and my OB practice. They really liked the babies out by 41 weeks. So I knew at 40 weeks that, cause I'd been, my cervix had been closed at 39, which is a whole topic. Some people don't accept a check, but I I did. I accepted a check, and then it wasn't I did open. Too. We started yeah. at thirty-six weeks, actually. Oh wow! Mm -hmm. And then at forty, um, they were able to actually do a membrane sweep, which is something I had heard about on the birth hour and did a lot of research on myself. And I decided that I was comfortable with that because it was either a membrane sweep or even at that appointment on forty weeks, they were already planning for me to have um, a stress test for the baby. Like four days later, I mean, they were very, very thorough. Mm -hmm. And so I said, okay, I'm just going to. Uh, allow the membrane sweep and that prompted that started four hours later I started getting little kind of cramps and contractions my parents were in town by that time and I knew that something was off because we had plans no no that Monday night was yeah no actually that Monday night was pretty normal Tuesday was the next day yep and then I had some cramping I did not go to I had signed up for a pure bar class I did not go because I was having to pause and actually just stop and deep breathe and I was like this is gonna look weird in a class everyone's gonna be you concerned. mean you didn't push through and go to pure bar gosh. Oh, no, a wimp. <laughs> gosh. but I did go on a walk with my parents and it was starting to snow so that was kind of pretty and exciting and then that evening I that's when I canceled dinner with my parents I was like I just feel off and I felt emotional and strange it was very weird my husband came home from work and you know he was like so you know what, what are we doing for dinner and I just had granola and yogurt for dinner, which is also pretty strange. Granted, I was having small meals, but like granola and yogurt for me is a snack or breakfast 
with other things. Like it's not a meal. And I just was, my body was, I think, getting ready. And then that night around 11 p.m., I was laying in bed and I just couldn't sleep and the contractions were getting more and more intense. I came downstairs and timed them. And sure enough, it was, it was almost time. So then I went back upstairs, woke up my husband, and then I told him, well, it's about 12. I said, I, I would like to shower and shave and do my hair and makeup. <laughs> so I did all that at 12. And I had to like pause between contractions as I was curling my hair. It's very ridiculous. I was doing the same though. I mean, I took a shower, I dried my hair, I put on makeup. And I mean, I was definitely in the throes of labor at that point. But there is some aspect of just like, this might well, be the last time, and sure enough, good. it really was yeah. for a while. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. So, so yeah. Then we got to the hospital at about one thirty, and I they finally were able to check me around three thirty, and I was also six centimeters. That's crazy that you were also that much. Mm-hmm. And the woman's like, "I bet the baby will come within the next few hours." I was like, oh, "That's great, cool." They moved me up to our room, and I labored there for another couple hours, just sitting on a chair. And speaking of the tennis balls, it was so funny because my husband came over and tried to rub the tennis balls on my back because he was telling me. That, you know, remember, honey, this is from the birthing class to help you feel better. So he's rubbing my back with the tennis balls. And then I started having a contraction. So I, like, raised my hand, like, please don't, like, don't touch me during the contraction because it was just so painful. And, you know, I was like, just stop. And so then the contraction passes. And I look back over to kind of tell him you can resume. No, no, no. He's rubbing his own back with the tennis balls, <laughs> oh telling me how gosh. good it feels. I was like, I die. <laughs> and then at that point, I was like, just go sit back down. Thank you. That's This has been great. That's, sit that's amazing. So, yeah, that was pretty funny. And then they checked me around 8 centimeters. And they told me I was 8 centimeters. This must have been about 5.30 in the morning. And to be honest, I was I was sending in the, the nurse to say, I, I think I'd like an epidural. I was definitely struggling. And then they said, you know, you said you don't want one. Are you interested in trying the nitrous? Nit- Nitrous oxide? Is yeah. that what it is? Nitrous mm-hmm. oxide? Yep. They said you you express interest in that. I was like, okay, I'll give it a try. They wheeled it in and I tried it and it was I took a couple like puffs of it. You breathe it in, inhale it, and then you exhale what you inhale it and exhale it both, I think, into a tube. And honestly, the first two puffs, I was like, Oh heck no, I can't do this. I told my husband, like, honey, I feel like I'm back in grad school, like smoking pot. Like this is really <laughs> intense. So I was like, like, that sounds weird. No, See, was, they didn't offer that at our hospital. So yeah, it's only some that do, and they only had like two yeah. machines. And it was it was very strange. But then he's like, honey, that's the point of it. Like it's supposed to take the edge off. It's not erasing your pain, but it's helping you a little bit. And I'm like, okay, okay. So I kept at it. And actually, it really was the game changer. I was able to just focus on that, focus on my breath. I had made a little playlist. I had my music in. And I was able to do that for two hours. 7.30 rolled around. My Actually, my OB got on shift at that time. She checked me. And I was um, I was nine. And then she p- broke my water. So that's so crazy about your water, yeah. Emma. All over that. So floor. different. I was yeah. laying in the hospital bed. He had not dropped down. And she poked my, my – um, she poked the amniotic sac with a crochet hook. Oh. <laughs> yep. So funny. That's fantastic. And well, my husband had to clean everybody. it off our bathroom floor. So, yeah. It's so it's just so wild, you know. It's so different, yeah. So, totally. and then she had me turn on my side to kind of get things moving a little bit, and then I was. And by See, this they time, they didn't I get didn't me to do any of that with an epidural. <laughs> I feel like they gave me a fake epidural. That's what my husband kept saying. He was like, "I don't," because they never even put in an IV or anything. He was like, eh. "Oh, they so never weird. put in an IV." That's actually very curious because my yeah, understanding was that you always needed. Because I also was like you, I. I requested, I did not want them to do intravenous fluids at all. Yeah. So I requested just a HEP lock so that they could put it in if they need to. And then I requested intermittent monitoring, much to the chagrin of the nurses because it's more work for them. But I was like, no, no, no. I want yeah, intermittent. Don't I got the same. It's so yeah, funny. but it's so it's, interesting. It yeah. is interesting. I, I wonder if your epidural was fake because, yeah. frankly. I, yeah. I seriously want to be like, because my husband knew I really didn't want one. I'm like, did, did y'all just mess with me just because I was yelling at everybody? But who knows? Anyway. No, that's actually, that's actually, I'll, I'll ask my husband. That's, that's, yeah. that, that could be legit. Yeah. Your uh, husband but, is a doctor. So was yeah, he, he very on board with like, I guess the intermittent monitoring and all that kind of stuff? You know, it was actually so interesting. I was expecting him to have a lot more opinions about mm-hmm. all of my medical decisions, mm-hmm. but he actually knew that I had done so much research and so much reading that he let me take entirely the reins, which was oh, cool. Fun. That's awesome. So yeah, I told him what my intentions were and he supported them. But when I told him, for example, eight centimeters, I was like, I think I need an epidural. He's like, if you think that's what you need, then I support you. And then he's like, but would you like to try the nitrous oxide? Because you did mention that you had a desire to avoid the epidural. And I was like, okay. And they would also, they also put fentanyl in it. And, I, and they were like, well, we can make you a special cocktail without fentanyl. And I was like, 
how long would that take? She's like, about an hour to like get that over to the pharmacy. I was like, about an hour. Like, I don't, okay. So it's not helpful. (laughs) Yeah, that wasn't helpful. So, but anyways, then um, my OB came and I labored for about 40 minutes. My husband had one leg, the nurse had another, and my OB was there. And it was very intense. It was just the pushing was, I probably had about 10 full rounds of the intense pushing. And it took a while because he was, he was so high up. He just hadn't dropped ever. Like, I remember going to the restroom, and he was still wicked high up, you know? Oh, wow. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, after that, uh, he came out, and he came out crying, and we say he was mad to be born. <laughs> Did he crying. nurse right away? Um, yes, right away. Yep, we had the same. Yep, they put him on my chest, and... It's amazing first, how they just, like, they just know what to do. They're like, yep, got this. Yep, so the nipple pain began right away. It was cool. <laughs> <laughs> and it just continued to this yeah. day. Yeah, to just this day. Still on and off. I literally, had, I literally had bite marks on my nipples that I actually showed my husband. I was like, honey, look at, my, look at this. There are bite marks on my nipple. I wonder if every episode we're going to talk about nipple pain. That might be just like the theme <laughs> of our podcast. We might need to rename it like nipple pain. The ABCs of nipple pain. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Um, but yeah, so that was, that was cool. And then we were in the hospital a couple nights. Then we came home. And I would say the first few months were, I definitely didn't experience, I would say, the degree to, you know, him crying, et cetera, that you, that you talked about, Emma, but I would say that he was certainly not that super cozy, happy sleeping baby, if you will. So it was kind of a mix of both. It was definitely, you know, pretty exhausting. He would let other people hold him, but and to this day, this continues. If he is tired and if he is not able to fall asleep, he will just absolutely sob his head off. So as an infant, it was the same way. Unless he was mm-hmm. being rocked or nursed to sleep, he was miserable. Now, if he's trying to sleep, say, in my arms on an airplane, <laughs> he's so miserable. <laughs> so he, it's like he would desire to sleep, and instead of just relaxing into falling asleep, he panicked almost. And so that was really challenging. So every time he would sleep, so every cycle of sleep, which as a newborn is, what, seven times a day? Yeah, and then it's yeah. five, and then it's four, but it's still many times a day was a scream fest, was a challenge, was a swaddle battle. So that was really tough. Well, that was something that I think bonded us a little bit was we just have babies that fight sleep. They were not those kids that just drifted off to sleep. And like Mm -hmm. I I see other people that have their babies that will like fall asleep anywhere. And I'm like, never, never in his entire little lifetime has he just blissfully drifted off to sleep in the middle of X, Y, and Z. Like that's just not, not my kiddo. So it was actually really reassuring to know that somebody else's child – if he was not nursed to sleep, just, just sobbed his little head off. So. Yeah, no, and I remember us connecting about that because it's just it's just so, so you know, difficult when you have the baby who's upset and you have all these things going on and you're you're trying your very best. I, I think it's very challenging as a, as a mother, for sure. Yep. 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 But, yeah, I mean, overall, we, uh, we certainly made it through. I would say the biggest challenge, if, if you were to ask, of those of the – first few months, but really just first month, was that my husband, being as he is, um, he was, he's in medical residency, he still is now, long story, but doing a second residency, but he was finishing up his first residency at the time, and he had to go back to work after six days. So okay. that was very challenging, because then he was back here, and he would still, it was I, I was very amazed and appreciative, he would stay up, and he would do like a 9 to 11 shift, and then he would sleep like 11 to 4. And then, because I would do all those, and then he would take another shift with Emerson from four to six. And by shift, I mean I would nurse him, and then I would hand him to my husband who would rock and hold him so he could sleep in his arms. Mm. And then uh, and then my husband would leave for work, and it would start all over again. So he was sleeping about five hours a night for, for the, about that next month or so. And that was challenging for him. It was challenging for me because I'm obviously just sleeping like, what, nine to 11, and then I'm sleeping like four to six, you know, so – it was, uh, we will it have to have so many conversations. I'm like, I have so many questions, but you know, we yeah. got to wrap this up sometime this year. So yes, we we could definitely chat for hours about about the first time, but it's it is fun to share about it and give our own little mini version of the birth hour and just share a bit about what it was like for us in those very early days. Yep. Well, anything else to add? I guess I would just say that. The most helpful thing I would think reflecting back and sharing this right here would just be that for me being informed by sources that weren't just to scare me, so not Google searches, but actually being informed by things like podcasts that shared about birth stories or the book Expecting Better, you know, truly by Emily Osler was was profoundly helpful for me. 
and informing myself about The Womanly Art of Breastfeeding is another book that I highly recommend and also a, another book about natural breast natural breastfeeding and then also natural birthing. But again, we don't love that word natural, but certainly the idea is, is, is valid. I found that that was the most helpful for me is yeah, to take I the time to be informed. Even if I would have ended up in cesarean, I really love that I also can tell you exactly what that process would have been like. Cause exactly. I researched That's it, what I was about know? to say. It was really helpful just to hear a variety of experiences because we can make all the birth plans we want, but I mean, I, I made a birth plan. My birth went absolutely nothing like my plan and it still worked out, you know, well, like I, you know, I was happy. I didn't have a C-section or anything like that, but it just, you know, for many women, it does go that way. For many women, they have very different experiences. So it was really, really helpful just to hear that, you know, this may be my intention, as you said, which I think is a really smart way to view it. But, you know, it can go a variety of ways and this is what they could look like. And it just made the process feel less scary and I felt more mm -hmm. educated and informed and like I was my own advocate going in. I think the thing that scared me the most is I just didn't want to go in and not that I didn't trust my doctors, but, you know, I didn't, I wanted to be knowledgeable. I wanted to be my own advocate and have an opinion on things or know the questions to ask if I needed to. So I think that was really helpful. And just as you mentioned, all those resources were great for that. Yep. And I think that going through that process in pregnancy leading into the birth is profoundly important because it's a process that continues afterwards. Oh, yeah. And I think advocating for your kid is also something that you and I have both had to do in, in individual ways. And, mm -hmm. that, and that's only within the first year of their lives. We can only speak about one year with mm -hmm. them, you know, being outside the womb. And it's, it, I mean, it's something that I'm, I'm certain about that will only just continue. And so preparing ourselves in that way about what it means to research things and look things up and be, be able to be aware of exactly what our kids might need or what we might need or aware of the questions to ask or the research to be, to be had, et cetera, is, is definitely important. So, yep, absolutely. All right, guys. Well, I think we are done. Uh, we really appreciate y'all listening to a little bit of our stories. We there's there's so much more to jump into in all of these topics, and we will definitely break them down into details. But we wanted to share a little bit of our stories with you guys. So thank you for listening. Um, you can feel free to reach out if you have questions or comments or topics you want us to discuss via email. We are abcsmatrescence at gmail.com. You can find us at abcsmatrescence on Instagram. Um, and we are also I hate to be those beggars. You hear this on every podcast, but you know, obviously we're new starting out and this is a passion project. This is something that's fun for us, but we just want other moms to find it. So if you do have the time to leave a rating and review on iTunes or whatever um, podcast platform you listen to, we would really, really appreciate it. Um, so next week we're going to have some fun topic. We're going to do the top five things we wish we had known about our first year as new mamas. And there's so much to delve into. We just barely touched it today. So anything else from you, Mackenzie? Just to thank everybody for taking a little time to hang out with us and stay tuned. We have some fun guests coming up too and a couple upcoming episodes that we're pretty stoked to share with everybody as well. And it'll be really a treat to hear a little bit more about their individual stories and some of their topics that they're going to be getting into with us as well, including a little bit more that we touched on today. So it'll be a lot of fun. Awesome. Well, thank you guys for listening and we'll talk to you all soon. Bye.